everybody to a uh, special episode of the HR Evolution where the four of us um, are always get together and kind of just spitball ideas, um, just like if we were to be sitting at a bar together, having a nice drink, talking really about the revolution of HR for the evolution of business, you know, and a lot of the co topics of conversation that we have is what are we seeing? What are we hearing? What are we learning? Um, and here we are through the first quarter of 2022. Yes, deep breaths. Believe it. We've made it. Uh, we're through the first quarter and we're and, and we're still preparing really uh, uh, for the future um, of what uh, this year even looks like. But also what does 2023 look like? What does 2024 look like? And if you're really futuristic, maybe you have a 2025 plan as well. But we wanted to come together again um, to provide value to our listeners and our audience to really just see and share what we're seeing and what we're hearing and the insights that we can share from our daily jobs to you to help you make that uh, incrementally better within your day um, and help maybe prioritize some of the things that you're doing today in your organization. So I'm going to shut up. My name is Kevin Rustasi. I'm going to quickly introduce uh, Bobby Spaziani, who is another co-host of mine, Chris Darone, as well as John Wright. Um, so I'm going to have a quickly introduce themselves and kind of just share where, where they're at and uh, here in their first quarter. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the intro there. Um, you know, it's been a busy quarter. I think, you know, amongst amongst the four of us here, we've had um, some awesome conversations, both online and offline. Um, some really, really uh, cool guests with some unique perspectives. Um, I, I think, Kevin, I'm still trying to, to get over the, the Dr. Yeshai uh, conversation that we had the other day that we're going to be releasing here soon. Um, so I just think, um, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a great time to be in HR. It's a challenging time to be in HR. Love that. Love that. Great time, but also a challenging time, too. <laughs> Chris, how about you, my friend? Yeah, that's great, Bobby. I think I would agree. And I'll just kind of build on top of that to say, uh, it's been a quick quarter, as Kevin mentioned, but one that we've been able to learn, I think, uh, along the way. So it's, you know, how are we continuing to learn, how are we continuing to evolve, and how are we continue to use, you know, all this information that we've been sharing and guests have been sharing with us in order to make positive change within our own organization. So excited to keep this going and excited for the conversation today. I love, I love how you put that positive change. I think that's really what we're focusing on. And from conversations like we had, like uh, Bobby pointed out with Nicole Ledich and, and, and some of the Adam Gibson is really obsessing about the value that we're creating and adding not only to the business, but also to the, to, to the value of the individual lives of the people within our organization. Exactly. So I love that and becoming obsessed on how we're adding value. And somebody that I know that adds a ton of value, no matter where she is, is, is Jonna, right? Jonna, what are you seeing in first quarter? that and we're here we are we're already at the uh the the fourth of april yeah it's kind of funny the intro you know we're sitting here you know cutting out some time carving out some time during the day and i'd love to circle back on like hey bobby and chris what are you guys seeing what are you hearing um you know quarter one's over it was it was probably a fast end to the year's end it was only a couple months ago and here we are q one's done um so seeing lots around talent planning for the year um it seems like it's rinse repeat it's always march and people are still getting their goals in quarter one's over hello people um so how are we planning the whole year what are we doing for talent cycles how are we breaking those um just what we always do what we always go back to i think that quarter one is such a huge 
busy quarter for HR, coming off of bonus cycles, coming off of merit increases, whatever you call them. <laughs> Having some of those conversations when people push back on like, hey, I didn't make enough. It's not a standard of living. I think with inflation on the horizon, I think with uh, the, the demands and the different needs of talent in the workplace, uh, there's a whole bunch I feel like we could fill a whole bunch of time with. So I think like Bobby said, like Chris said, it's an exciting time to be in HR. Um, pretty cool stuff that lays out there, but it, it calls for a different mindset, totally different mindset. Definitely. And I know this group has done a great job at challenging people's mindset. I think that's what it's really all about. I think at the end of the day, right? If we can get somebody to stop and think and just uh, maybe, maybe second guess, right? Why do I believe that to be true, right? I think that's really what we're all going for is really stop. We're busy, right? Action, reaction, reaction, action. Um, we're extremely busy individuals, um, especially in HR, where we're constantly being bombarded with uh, the, the updates and compliance, knocks at our door. You know, it's a lot of these distractions and reactions. And, and what I'm starting to see is more of a strategic planning process starting to change within HR. Um, I think that uh, the, the, the businesses are starting to identify that compensation and compensation alone is a tool in their toolbox, but not the only tool. Uh, and I think that moving forward, we're going to see more creativity come from the HR segment. And that's really what we try to, to get people to second guess and to ask the question why, right? To start peeling back that onion. And I know Chris kind of in, in, in coming on and, and discussing what we wanted to really make sure we focus on and talked about today. I figured I would start with you because you shared a relevant post that you recently saw on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, wherever it might have been. But it was a relevant post and you kind of got a chuckle out of it. But I thought what you had shared was so relevant, especially to our audience of what they're probably experiencing, right? And they're holding their breath as to what uh, their CEO or CFO might say publicly um, that they're not aware of. So do you want to kind of dive into what you saw and we'll kind of just kick off our conversation today and just talk about that? Yeah, that'd be great. So it, yeah, I think we're all at varying degrees of kind of the hybrid format, the return to work format. A lot of organizations have been talking about, you know, getting their people back into the office. And yes, we've had some disruption and some starts and some stops. Uh, but I think if you would ask, you know, most senior leaders, I think they're leaning more towards, yeah, we want people to be back in the office and not just for the the reason that we're paying for the space, you know, and we, we have to kind of justify it, but you know, that the idea of collaborating and being together and that social aspect that you create within the organization, you know, and the culture that you're, that you're, uh, you're kind of building along the way as well too. Um, but I'm not sure, again, we're going to talk a lot about listening to our employees. I'm not sure if that's what our employees really are looking for. So the post that Kevin talked about, and I did get quite a big chuckle about it, was uh, someone saying, you know what, all I do is scour LinkedIn to see those statements by CEOs and senior leaders saying, hey, we need to get everybody back in the office. And this post said, when I do see a post like that, I know I can go and poach as many of their people as possible because, you know, maybe that's not what we're looking for, right? So again, are we listening to our employees? Are we acting upon what we're hearing? I think is going to be so important. And, you know, not that not being back in the office isn't a good thing. Sure it is. It's great to be back in the office and be able to, you know, share those pre-pandemic type of experiences and working uh, environments that we had. But are we listening? And I think that's the biggest thing that we keep going back to. Are we listening to what our employees feel? What are their sentiments? 
Um, the world has changed greatly over the last two years and kind of the ways of working have changed along with it to the point where if given the option between I have to go back to the office full time or find another position somewhere else, it might look a little greener on that other side of the fence. Yeah. And, and I think we heard that uh, Dr. Yishai Bobby the other day that people are, their needs have changed, right? So they're gonna, their needs have changed so much that they're going to look and seek out that environment, which is conducive for those needs. So, and just talking about the strategic planning process, I think just in general with Adam Gibson, kind of that strategic workforce planning, Chris, exactly. that you talked about, he kind of just said, you know, those annual goals, those, those are no longer a thing. We need to be moving more into a quarterly goals yeah. process. Um, and, and expectation internally as a business because of how fast the world is changing externally to the walls of the organization. John, I'm going to ask you a question, kind of piggybacking off of what Chris just said, is do you feel like we did enough from the leadership perspective to, to, to really rescale or upskill leaders to be and understand how to motivate, right? How to connect, right? How to, how to not need those social cues, those visual cues in order to know if somebody's working or not? Do you feel like yeah. we did enough? <laughs> I, I think that's like, that is like a million dollar question, right? And, and Chris, I wish I could pull on, on whatever uh, Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, whatever um, medium it was last year that talked about CEOs, it might've been McKinsey, it might've been Deloitte, said that something like 47% of CEOs believe that their workforce is effective in the office. Yeah. Let's blow that belief out of the water. <laughs> Let's get rid of it. Yes. Manufacturing, it's no longer who gets the first parking spot is the most valuable employee. Right. Because you know what? There's lots of people that are not showing up to the office anymore. So no, I, I think it is a complete mindset shift. I do agree, Chris, uh, you said it, you know, a lot of places are looking at, you know, if I have engineering teams and they're looking at, at new product development, how can they have their hands on the product if they're not there? You know, we can't yeah. ship the products if they're huge, you know, pieces. Um, yeah. So I, I do believe there is an element of collaboration that can occur and is optimized when people are in maybe the same space, but I would challenge that too. Some of the most innovative uh, companies have found ways using all the tools that are out there. And I've, I've named a couple recently in my own workspace that people are like, what's that? What's Miro? What's this? What's that? Yeah. You know, you can put post-its on a page together. You can really do things that we used to do in conference room spaces or in collective uh, workspaces. And how can we really continue to challenge that? No, Kevin, I don't think that we've prepared leaders enough or at least challenge their thinking. And, and I, I, I recently I've gone from, you know, DE&I, not to bring up another topic, we don't have to get on that topic right now, um, but DE&I, you know, usually people start with unconscious bias training. And I'm challenging the term right now. I heard it, I don't know who said it, but I'll give credit to whoever said it, you can have your credit. It's conscious bias being completely conscious and aware of your own bias. And am I challenging people being in the workplace as a leader because I personally believe they're more effective in the workspace? Mm -hmm. I've got to ask myself that as a question every day, not me personally, but I'm asking leaders, yeah. think about that question. And are, do you have some type of bias about people being in person? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think what you are saying too is whether it's DE and I, right? We all hope, I think the four of us in this room hope that that continues to be a priority. But like you said, right? It's starting to die off, right? Just kind of like we expected, right? We had this big monumental moment, right? And everybody's fear was, would we recede back to where we were before, right? And I think we're starting to see that, right? And, well, and, and, and to your point, the consciousness and unconsciousness, and we talk about ego, right? We talk about, did, did we do enough in leadership development and training? And you said no. And I, I would say, I don't think we did. I don't think we came close, right? And here we are trying to get back to what we find as comfort and comfortable in senior leadership. And that's, I see the people, right? I get to see the people, they're here. I don't care if it's spending, because you're, you're spending as much on real estate. What it really is, is that now that I'm spending more for human capital than I've ever spent before, I need to see these people. I need to feel like I have some kind of control within this situation, just like the control that the individual employees sought after the pandemic. Yeah. Now leaders in the same way are fighting to get back that control. And I've heard conversations from the three of us, right? And, and externally, we have HR happy hours and talking to them. Leaders are constantly fighting that during the interview process to try to find that power position that they've had all along. That is gone, right? So now they're trying to use words to get it back, right? And I think people are going through, oh, why, did, why would you really want to work for us? Well, I didn't say I wanted to work for you. You actually reached out to me. But we try to take back some of that power within the process so we feel like there's some sort of control. And I feel like we definitely did not do enough because we, if we look at productivity, and yes, across the board might be too generalized, but I would suggest that in most cases and in most scenarios that performance is up, metrics are up, right? But, right, why not use this as a way to pay to play, right, or performance-based, right? If you perform well and you meet your numbers, it is an honor and an opportunity for you to be able to work from home, Right. Make that another piece of the puzzle. And Bobby, I was going to ask you, do you think that would be an effective strategy kind of moving forward as we find what baseline is, right? We find where we know we're not going back to 2020, right? We're not um, realistically. But finding that balance and finding that opportunity, Bobby, in your estimation, how do we scratch the back of what senior leaders want, but also the everyday employee? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think we've come off, we've come a long way since the beginning of the pandemic. And I think we've we've honestly, in my opinion, at least, you know, um, with, with what I see, I think organizations have done a good job. Teams have done a good job of connecting their employees within the team. Um, where what we're trying to work on now is kind of, you know, continue is connectivity across the organization. How can I work functionally, effectively? You know, but to kind of go back to your question, I, I think for me, it's it's simple, right? I think there's got to be a middle, right? There's got to be sort of a hybrid approach. And I think it's really kind of, you know, leaving it up to the a certain extent. Is there really a reason for you to come to the office if we're going to to do something like we're doing today and, and, and sit on Zoom for five, six hours? Um, are we going to sit in a room and, and whiteboard? And I think to Jana's point as well, yes, we do have, um, you know, technology out there that that makes that possible virtually now. Um, but but I would argue that there are real needs to be in an office, right? And I think it's just we need to kind of put this up, you know, the these questions up to the employee and listen to our employees as as we've talked about to better understand kind of, you know, 
when do you feel it's most effective to be in the office to do your job um, at the level that you you need to do your job? 100%, 100% Bobby. And I think that's the real thing as we move forward, the future of work, will there be in office? Yes, but that time you spend in office will have a distinct purpose versus, hey, I'm here, let's walk around, let's hang out by the water cooler. No, it's gonna be very, very purposeful when we have those time frames because we know we don't get them. And I think that's what leaders, I think that's what organizations need to really look at how do we structure it in that way. Um, you know, I know, we talk I, know I talk about this too. I, I love that, Chris. And I, and I think kind of if I could summarize what we all just talked about in our responses was self, right? I think we're moving forward in this individualized future. Um, much more so. I think we could we could easily fold into a deck of cards, you know, and our name would never be noticed within the organization. And some people were totally fine with that. Um, I think now that we're empowered, right, uh, more than ever, um, I, I, I use the Netflix analogy, I use the Amazon analogy, everything is really tailored now to the individual from a customer-based perspective, right? So that same mindset to, to think that it's not the same when we look for employment is really where the biggest challenge is for most, right? So things that I do every day in my personal life, all of a sudden I have a different methodology. I have a different thought process when it comes to my professional world. That is no longer the case. And I think to your point, John, about talking about the DE&I, right, is finding that self-work first and being conscious of it. Because if, it, if we're talking about unconscious bias, most people we saw did not agree that they were even biased. So that word in and of itself puts people on the defensive immediately. And when we're on the defensive, we don't tend to ask questions and we tend not to listen to the answers to the questions, even if we are fortunate enough to ask, because we're kind of convoluting and, and maybe twisting it and getting to that uh, result or that impact that we're looking for. One of the other things that I brought up earlier and that I wanted to talk about is the idea of self, right? These individual employees now, we're talking about compression with compensation to really be different, right? To attract talent. And, and if we focus so heavily on compensation and compensation alone, we're running into issues where people have been with organizations for 25 years and now they're making significantly less than somebody that just came in off the street. This is a real challenge and a real headache for organizations and probably why businesses told you never to share how much that you made internally within the organization for the last 50 years, right? It wasn't cool yeah. to talk about it for this reason, right? But we can't stop it. We can't stop the information sharing. We are the most informed working population than ever before. So what do we do? And I see a lot of conversations now turning towards the performance conversation, right? I need metrics. I need to know if we're even getting this return back to the organization, where are we going from a performance-led perspective? What have you guys seen in the first couple of quarters or the first quarter of this year, or maybe tail end of last year? What are we seeing from, from our work and what you're doing and what you're hearing from a performance-related perspective? Bobby, why don't you start and kind of share what you're seeing on the performance front and maybe some of the strategies that you've seen to be effective over the years or in the past? Yeah, and, and are you talking more or less just sort of, you know, bringing talent into the organization? I'm talking more about the performance of once the talent is, is within the walls of the organization. With the increase of human capital costs, stakeholders, yep. shareholders, senior leaders, are, and finance in particular are going to start asking the question, well, what am I getting for that return, right? Or that investment, excuse me. 
Um, and now I'm starting to see more organizations on my personal side to try to define and articulate and get granular with those expectations of the individual role to the bigger mission and, and vision or, or goal of the business. Hey, Kevin, mind if I hop in on this one? And then, Bobby, I'm going to lead it right into you because you're the talent acquisition like expert here. Yeah, go I'm going to bring it back to expectations first. Good. So Gallup's Q12 survey, 12 questions, and then they truncate them. And the first two are, do I know what's expected of me on a daily basis? And do I have the tools to get my job done? And what Gallup said, says is if you use, of course, them, I'm not endorsing, um, but if you use them and you use their questions, they say, don't go beyond those two questions. It's like Maslow's basic you know, hierarchy of needs. Don't go beyond the basics. If people don't know what's expected of them on a daily basis and they don't have tools yeah. to get their job done, bag the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna get much further. So Bobby, I'm gonna tee it up to you about like, hey, how do we get ready? to hire, how do, how do we, you know, I was talking to a, a CFO recently that said, you know what I need? I need job descriptions. I need job descriptions that meet the needs of the organization, not what was 10 years ago, just brought out, dusted off and like, hey, it's up to the hiring manager, go check out Indeed, because every other person's doing the same thing. So there's no new job descriptions unless you're starting with a white piece of paper. So, Bobby, I'm going to turn it over to you now. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think you teed that up well, and I and and it makes sense, right? And I think I think really at the end of the day, you said it perfectly. It's it's understanding the needs. So before you get to the performance of the employee, you talk about the need of the position within the organization first. Like, wh where does this position fall in the organization? You know, what is the purpose of this position? Um, you know, is it is it revenue generating? Is it support? Um, you know, all of those, those different things. So you have that kind of strategic conversation with the business as you're going through workforce planning to sort of understand the need for the position. Um, you know, because the worst thing you can do, in my opinion, is to, you know, add all of these positions um, that as an organization, you're not really even sure, you know, what the purpose is at the end of the day, and then try to put, you know, bodies in those positions um, and, and now you really have a problem, right? Because those those employees then don't know exactly what they're trying to do. And, and you talked about that, John, right? The, the most important, you know, expectation setting up. Completely agree. Once you have those positions, you can better find employees in the conversation earlier, where I think the most important thing in this hybrid environment is the first touch points with your employees. In Everybody, you know, is is understanding, um, you know, the goals of the organization, the goals of of the business line, the goals of the particular position, um, you know, and then even creating, you know, individual development plans for employees. Um, understanding too, it, it goes beyond just the job. What do employees want in their career, um, in their professional life? What do they want to learn? How do they want to stretch and grow? So I think having those conversations, but it starts with ensuring that, you know, those positions um, that you're posting. Um, truly are, are needed by the organization. So Bobby, that was fantastic. And you also, you kind of hit both sides. So Kevin's original question was, how does the organization know it's getting, you know, what it's paying for? And you also talked about how does the individual also get from the organization what they're paying up for? Having those two-way dialogue, having the two-way conversation, taking the time to have, you know, career conversations to understand aspiration 
And then really it's incumbent on not only the leadership team to provide the resources and tools, but also the organization to say effectively help the entire and development standpoint. So where are those big areas that we want to focus on to Kevin's point to get the biggest bang for our buck so that we know as an organization, we are kind of raising the boats at all, you know, at the same time all together. And I think the biggest thing that organizations are looking at now, and we spoke on this, is management. You know, are we training our managers because it's a different skill set in this hybrid world? Mm-hmm. You know, and the biggest thing I hear a lot is don't track hours, track outcome, right? Yeah. So getting managers to be comfortable and let go of that control element, Kevin, that you mentioned, to say, yeah, I'm not here to look over the cube wall or come into the office to see, you know, what you're working on, but at the end of that week, right? Have you accomplished what we said we we're going to set out to accomplish when we met, you know, on our week one um, to make sure that we're getting the results we're looking for. I think that's the biggest shift from a management standpoint is how do you get comfortable looking at things from a results and an outcome basis versus an hours basis that, you know, I need you to know that you've been working eight to five every day type mm-hmm. of thing. And I think without the, the the ability, right, and this is what I see is, and I took a couple of notes while you both were talking, and, and is that we add headcount right now, I see in most workforces based off of workload. Um, and and, and, and if, it, if the work of the load is, is too significant for one individual and they say mercy, um, is, it, is it now is the opportunity to add additional headcount? But Bobby, what you talked about was actually being far more intentional with every job this day forward that we decide to add to the organization. And John, what you said from a job description standpoint, I couldn't agree more. Um, I I started a series talking about some of the comedic relief in these job descriptions, right? Um, It's very, they're all very extremely subjective. Um, It has nothing to do and very few of them are rooted in fact. Um, What I call for is actually being more transparent. If you say that you're diverse, equitable and inclusive, what are your numbers, right? Show me your data, show me your numbers and really push that envelope or that narrative that you can be trusted, right? And that what you say in a job description is an accurate representation. If we're so subjective as to what the employee gets should they choose to work for us, how subjective is the actual job description itself is the roles and responsibilities of that. So we have this quagmire, right? This, this uh, I'm a, I hate hypocrisy. I hate how we can say it's okay to do one thing and then say it's not okay to do another, right? That's where really I get into a problem mentally. Um, and, and, and I'll challenge Kevin, one, one, one more thing here too. You know, I'll challenge some organizations, right? Look at your jobs that have been open and, and, and pick a point in time. You know, 120 days, is it 200 days? Reevaluate, you know, get back down to the table and, and truly understand um, you know, is there a need for the position? Um, does the p- position need to be, you know, restructured or refocused to look at different skills? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, are we just, you know, not able to find um, that, that perfect candidate out mm-hmm. there, right? Because it could be, it could be one of, of both ways. It could be one of, you know, one or the other. Um, but you're not able to get to that unless you, you revisit those conversations versus just kind of letting that time to fill Agreed. you know, go and go and go. And if you've gone 180 days without it, you might have not needed it to begin with, but oh I see gosh, so much, exactly. like you said, a like for like, but Bobby, one of the other things you said, and, and, and Chris called it out was the individual side, right? So the individual manager and what their expectations are from that employee, but also what is the individual employee's expectation of the manager of the company and what are they getting both personally and professionally out of that relationship? So I love that. Um, Kevin, if I can add yeah. in there to go to that individualism and, and 
Bobby, I was noting it while you were talking, you know, having some structure around one-to-ones is really helpful and it can really start, um, you know, if, if we have, you know, those quote unquote bad managers because they did something miraculous as an individual contributor, therefore they must be a manager and they weren't ready to be a manager. How are they engaging their team or disengaging and how are they engaging or disengaging themselves? Loading them up with tools, 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 tools. So having a framework for a one-to-one and Chris, you said even weekly. And, and I look at weekly one-to-ones what's the purpose? What's the intent? Because if it's checking on projects, that's like having a business plan review every single week. What's the purpose? You can't even make, you know, you can't make a development. You can't gain traction. You can't make headway on that. So maybe monthly, or, you know, I'm in a newer situation. I'm meeting with team members every other week. One week is about projects. The next week is purely about development. What have you done well? What do you want to do better? What do you not like this month? What have you loved to work on? That gives me insights also as to strengths and, and where are areas that somebody can grow. I think those goals, you know, hopefully they're in the systems right now, but we all know they might not be. Um, those first quarter goals that are set for the entire year, whoever set it, quarterly goals, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's that's much more Agile, uh, I know it's it's the going term right now, but again, responsive to the business and the business needs. And I think HR is right there too. HR needs to be responsive. Don't put, don't put you're gonna do a payroll system this year. That's your job, check the box. What are you gonna do to stretch yourself as an HR professional to lean into the business, to get to know the business more and better and be a, bit, a better business partner? And I love that. And I think what everything that we've talked about up until this point, though, is, is we revolve around the key critical element of time, right? So we need yeah. time to be able to have these conversations, to be able to have an impact on the individual's life. What is, we're charting that future out. And just like Netflix and just like Amazon, they're better at it because all they're doing, they're not having those conversations. They're using your data, right? So we talk about being data literate, starting to leverage data to our advantage here in HR because of the HRIS systems and the advancements in technology. We now have the ability to have more access to our data is just understanding what data is of value and what is not. And my question is to the group, because I know we're closing out here and, and, and it's something that I was, I've been kicking uh, around, right? Is that when do we change the expectations of managers, right? And how they're compensated and how they're bonused, right? Because compensation has a way to, for, for individuals, whether that's a way to motivate them of prioritizing certain things over others, right? So if I know I'm comped in a certain area or a certain way or graded, I'm going to probably prioritize that in a different way. Are we coming to that point where we are asking now senior leaders and stakeholders, all stakeholders of different expectations within these leadership positions, more attributed to the impact on the employee, right? And so I'll, I'll keep that open, whoever wants to respond first, but I wanted to gain the feedback from this group kind of, are we, do we need an adjustment, right, of the prioritization and how we're uh, changing our expectations of leaders and senior leadership which obviously will have that trickle down effect and impact on the individual employee. I'm dying to jump in here. <laughs> and I'll go back to John's point. You know, those goals have been written, whether you wrote them for the year, for three months, six months, nine months, 
do a spot check for those UNHR who have visibility into your, your performance management system. See how many managers have an actual goal that says, I'm going to continue to coach, develop, and mentor my direct reports. You know, I'm going to hold career conversations with them on a monthly basis to check in and see how they're doing. I'm going to leverage their strengths, you know, to the full, to the fullest, and then identify the most critical areas for development for them. Go and see if that's actually been documented, right? Um, worked with a couple of companies who actually mandated that all people managers had to have some type of, you know, you're going to coach, mentor, and develop your people. That was fantastic. And you'd be amazed by how much activity was spent around it, Kevin, because at the end of the year, when they were getting their annual rating, that was a built-in component to it. So, Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, Anybody else want to add any other? Uh, and John, I know you do a ton of work on ego, and 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 uh, I know you did a presentation on that just last month as well in leadership. Is there anything that you want to add, kind of what you're seeing, and and maybe some of the suggested changes um, in this goal setting or prioritization of 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 these key metrics to to the desired outputs of which we seek? Yeah, and and Bobby jump in too. Um, I I do go you know tried and true smart goals because people can put a bunch of words in the system and then they just kind of sit wherever. Or I I am a big if it's on your desk or desktop or in print or in a piece of paper what gets what gets written gets done. So I I do agree with you, Chris. Either spot checking at the beginning of the year. I like doing a little workshop on smart goals so that people remember you know what what. What they are and, and that they are measurable, they are out there. MIT, though, uh, a few years back introduced FAST goals, and I just looked them up quick and I don't have the acronym right in front of me, but um, they're, they're more public. So if you want more about them, look up FAST goals MIT, but you really make your goals public. And I think that a lot of organizations right now are, I, I don't like the word mandating, but asking leaders to have some type of engagement goal. I know we have it uh, and it is part of the, the incentive and bonus uh, performance outcomes. So that engagement is more important than ever. So it's my job as HR to keep that conversation going year round, not just at the quarterly mark, not at the half year point, not in October when it's like, oh my gosh, it's coming to year's end engagement. Um, and not right before a pulse survey, but really giving people some tools to use for engagement and that reminder that it is about the manager relationship. How, do you, how well do you, how how well do you, do you plan know on measuring engagement, Jonna? Because I, I just wanted to, I wanted to, because that's, again, you're going to get pushback from finance where, where hey, that's a, that's, a, that's a loose term, right? It's a, it's a uh, feeling, it's an I've emotion. Got, I've got a finance partner. Which we talk about the importance of that too. That's awesome. Well, because I mean, this team knows it well, you, you lose talent and it's because of engagement and there's two sides to the argument. You can find all the articles you want that it's all about the manager engagement. And that's why people walk and you can find arguments against that too. But we do know when a 20 year employee walks because hey, maybe it was engagement and maybe they didn't say it in their exit interview or we didn't catch them quick enough. I would advise stay interviews or ask people why they're staying um, yeah. because they're going to offer some nuggets if you have a really solid relationship. They're going to offer the reasons that are deep enough to keep people around. You get a 20-year employee that walks, we all know. I mean, Bobby, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what does that cost an organization to recruit that, that skill set? So finance is listening. 
because you lose 10, 15 people in a year. If you're not using internal recruiting teams, you're also paying recruiting fees. Or paying more to Indeed, and Indeed will always cash those checks as much as as you're willing to pay them. Then you can check out those old job job descriptions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're we're talking a lot about really the the attraction, the retention side of things. And and Bobby was uh, was gracious enough to, to put some polls together for the first quarter one. Bobby, do you want to kind of get into what you got back from those polls? What did we learn? And really just kind of take us home and and focus really on, because I think attraction and retention is really the minds of CFOs, CEOs, because now they're starting to see those negative impacts on the business. But what did we see from those polls and and really what what led them and, and what did you find? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Kevin. So we we ran out two polls to our our listeners, um, you know, throughout Q1 this year. I think the first one was really around, you know, what are your organization's top priorities for 2022, and we kind of followed that one up a week later with, what are you actually doing in 2022, and it was kind of interesting because the priorities of most organizations, I think, overwhelmingly, was talent attraction and retention. What um, Folks, at least the, the, those listeners that are that are following our page, um, said that they were actually doing was exactly that: talent attraction um, and retention. And you know, I thought about that, and I'm like, okay, well, wait a minute, that's that's unique, that that's good, right? That we're aligned with what the organizations want, but why is that? And you start to do the research, you understand the competitive landscape out there from a macro level. You, you read things, um, and I just read something the other day, I think it was out of the Wall Street Journal, that said there were 1.8 job postings to qualified candidates, right, to one qualified candidate. Wow. So you know, <laughs> essentially, that's, that's incredible, right? Because I think, I think when, it was, when it was even close to that, it's, at, at one point, um, was right around February 2020, right before the pandemic. So you know, what that means is, is you know, the demand is, is overwhelmingly greater than the supply out there, right? And, and, and you, can, you can say, okay, well, what does that mean? And you can, we can get down, down a rabbit hole, but I know we have just a few minutes here. But I think, you know, to kind of sum it up, the employers, the companies that, you know, really took the time to focus on an employee value proposition and really took the time to focus on employer branding um, prior to the pandemic, are, are the ones that are going to do a really good job during this, right? Because, you know, we, we talk about it all the time, you know, compensation, you know, is, is the price of admission, right? It only gets you so far. What are those other things that you're able to offer employees um, when they have two, three, four, five different offers on the table? And I think you were saying too, before the pandemic, that number was the highest we had, uh, we had seen in quite some time and it was 1.2 jobs. Yes. Wow. Yep. Wow. And I think that just kind of paints the picture of what we're up against, right? And I think kind of knowing knowing the competitor, right? Just like if we were preparing to play Kansas or UNC for this national championship here on Monday, you know, it's like you need to do your research on the competition to really understand, well, what's what's a threat? What's an opportunity? Just like the whole SWOT analysis, right, that we've been taught time and time again. But I love that, right, is, is knowing what we're up against, right? Because the odds of you increasing your marketing budget to, to attract talent, probably is not going to be successful because that's probably what everybody else is doing when the, when the demand is higher than the supply. What things, and we've been calling for it for quite some time on our shows and through the conversations that we've had, as well as with our guests, is trying to strike that chord as to what's outside the box and what's going to be different, what's going to resonate, what's going to hit the mark. And we touched on that really during this conversation today, is opening up those lines of communication and opening up more lines of communication. 
And with the hybrid, with the remote, with the fully in the office, meeting your employees where they're at, right? Understanding that they're going to be tuning in at 9 p.m. and you might be working at 9 a.m. Um, but how do we still open up those critical, crucial lines of communications from all degrees of within the business to really paint that accurate picture? I know John has taught me a lot about the ego work and creating an environment where we're only told what we want to hear in leadership. It's a very dangerous place to be because we're just, we have an altered state of what reality really is within the organization. And I think that what I learned most during the first quarter is still how surprised most businesses are and how surprised HR is as to the pushback that they're seeing from the working population. It's, it's this belief that they're out there, they're just not interested in working for us. But to the same point that Bobby said, that 1.8 jobs to every qualified individual, that would be the area of where I would start to focus. I would start to bring in areas of Chris's expertise, of how I turn a person into human capital for a specific role within the organization after, to Bobby's point, that we vetted out, we validated, and understand what, what that role is, what's the value of that role, and how long will that role be in existence? Um, because we're going to be in a constant state of change. Uh, we see it with the global uh, economy that we're in today, that there are things far outside of our control in the world of business and in politics that we simply cannot control. Um, but we need to be in tune, and we need to listen, and we need to understand now more than ever in order to be more proactive than reactive. And that's really what we talk about on the HR revolution is to start to leverage data and science and to, to have these conversations, you know, and get back to what we know is most important, which is the people. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much to the three of you for, for taking the time out of your busy schedules and calendars to kind of share what you're seeing in this first quarter. And hopefully our audience, this, this kind of hits the mark and answers any questions that you might have. Um, we're here to help, um, but I just want to say thank you to Bobby, Chris, and Jana for all being special guests and being a part of the revolution of HR for the evolution of business. So thank you all so much for being a part of the conversation today. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you.